0: Do you wonder if others are dealing with the same project management challenges as you? Not sure where to turn for guidance and leadership? Office Hours are in session as we discuss project management and PMOs with global leaders, hearing their story and learning their secrets to success. Our goal is to empower you and help you elevate your PMO and project management career to new heights. Welcome back to Project Management Office Hours with your host, PMO Joe. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours. We're the number one live project management radio show in the U.S., broadcasting to you from the Phoenix Business Radio X studios, and we're in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, PMO Joe, and for the next hour, we'll be talking project management, curve benders, and a whole bunch of other different topics with our special guests. Uh, Before we get into the show, just want to mention today is one of my favorite days of the year, no, not because it's April Fool's Day, but it's opening day of Major League Baseball season. How exciting is that? Unfortunately, as a Boston Red Sox fan, uh, their game was postponed today. That, that could be the way their whole season will go. Uh, but it's nonetheless exciting to see um, the sport that I grew up playing as a child. And I dreamed that one day I'd be a Major League Baseball player. Unfortunately, didn't quite make it, but here I am uh, as a fan of that. So... I hope everybody gets a great opportunity to root for their favorite team this year and maybe actually get out into the stands and uh, see some baseball in person. Also excited to announce that the PMO Leader, the new global community website, is in the middle of our launch uh, week, and we're having a bit of a party all week. And we're going to culminate that tomorrow with a live Q&A panel discussion at 12 o'clock noon Arizona time. Members on that panel include Peter Taylor, who was PMO Influencer of the Year last year, Marissa Silva, the lucky PM, uh, Fatima Abuchi, who was the Australia PMO Leader of the Year last year, Eileen Rodin, who is one of the co-founders of House of PMO, and myself. So getting the five of us together, I have no idea how that's going to go. Uh, but it certainly will be fun and entertaining. So encourage all of you to go out to the PMOleader.com to register for that event. And as part of launch week, we've been doing random giveaways uh, for some goods and services that have been donated by members within the PMO Leader community. And right before we went on air, I did a couple of random uh, items. So ITM platform is a PPM platform uh, system out of the UK, and they are out on the PMO Leader site, and they have offered up a free subscription to their service, and Gabriella Papp, you are the winner of that. Uh, So Gabriella, if you're winning, congratulations. If not, we'll be in touch after the show. And then also Keyed In Solutions is a partner with us. They've been donating some nice uh, water bottles, which fill in great as we approach summertime, and Leighton Brownlee you are the winner of one of the Keyed-In Water uh, Bottles, um, Keyed-In Solutions Water Bottles. So thank you, Layton. Thank you, Keyed-In. Thank you, ITM Platform. Also, I uh, want to thank our sponsors of this show, right? We don't uh, have these shows without sponsors. So the PMO Squad, you can visit them at the thepmosquad.com to learn more about all of their services. And as I mentioned, the PMO Leader previously, be sure to go out and visit that community site. Finally, a reminder to everyone to visit projectmanagementofficehours.com to see all of our upcoming episodes, catch all of our previous episodes, and learn more about all of our amazing guests who have joined us throughout the years. So today, in addition to being Major League Baseball opening day, which I'm excited about, I'm also super excited to have Jennifer Bridges and David Knorr joining me today. Thank you, Jennifer and David.
1: So glad to be here, Joe. It's good
2: to be with you, Joe.
0: Yeah, thank you. And Jennifer, I believe you're in Alabama. And David, are you in Atlanta today? I am indeed. So we're getting uh, some Southeast representation. Uh, One of my had been in Atlanta for over around 20 years or so. So it's good to connect with some folks who are back there. Jennifer, if you could take a minute to say hello to all of our listeners and introduce yourself to them.
1: Well, Joe, it's great to be here and with your audience. And because I know you have a global audience of influencers and impactors all over the world and um, yeah just been around quite a bit a long time I guess in my career and I guess the essence of the coaching work and the leadership development work that I do is um, helping people improve their performance potential and some founder of pdus2go.com which we're going on 14 years now and David has been a huge part of that one of our initial brave and courageous partners. And um, he's been a part of helping us infuse different aspects or different perspectives from leaders that he works with at different executive levels and all the research that he's done over 11 books now. And so he's continued to develop courses and, and give webinars and live events for us. So yeah, just I guess one of the main things that I'm, I think David and I both look to do is influence, impact, and inspire the future of project management. So, with that, I'm going to hand that over to David and let him, I guess, tell a little bit about himself too.
2: I'm on the wrong show. I thought this was the British Baking Show or something. Right? Wait a minute! I'm on the wrong show here. No, Joe, really
1: I'm on this show, right? No, you dialed in the wrong
2: channel. Right. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joe, I want to echo uh, Jennifer's comments. Thank you for for having us. Uh, I, uh, uh, I I was we were on another call uh, where Lee Lambert. Uh, was joining us. And as the audience knows, founder of of the whole PMP world. And I said, Lee, this is all your fault. I would have never met Jennifer Bridges. I would have really not known a whole lot about the whole project management community if it wasn't for uh, that that whole movement. And I got to tell you, I'm in awe of the project management professionals that I've met over the years because they're the essence of the organizations that I work with and the leadership teams that I work with and, and their ability to get anything done. So what with Jennifer's help over the last crazy to believe, you know, 14, 15 years, uh, I'm able to bring my ideas around strategic relationships, around visual storytelling, around this fundamental need for personal reinvention through my books, through my coaching, through my advisory work to project management professionals and the great work that she does with PDUs to go. And you're you're likewise a great contributor to our most recent initiative, which was this whole PM Next starting, I think that was our COVID moment, right? In the middle yeah. of the pandemic, we started thinking what do project management professionals need to know or think about or do differently, not just to get through this difficult time, but really on the other side of it. And you contributed greatly to that conversation. And we appreciate that. I'm excited about our conversation today of how do we help elevate both the awareness and the impact of project management and project management professionals.
0: Yeah, thank you both so uh, much for joining us. And Lee's been a guest on the show. We've talked. It was great. We had Leon uh, with uh, the woman who's responsible for the PMP today within PMI. So we did the journey from the PMP origin to current, modern time uh, with all the changes that are upcoming and what it look like in the future. So we always value contributions from Lee and certainly with both of you. You mentioned PM Next and Jennifer and I were talking again before the show. We had announced some giveaways and Jennifer is offered up. Uh, we'll be doing a random giveaway we'll add into our mix for the PMO Leader where we'll give away one seat to a PM Next course. Uh, so thank you, Jennifer, for offering that up. Very gracious and very much appreciated. Now, David, uh, as part of this, we haven't talked about any of this before the show. So this is all live and it's all uh first time. It's random. This is what's happening here.
1: Improvidence greatest. I think that's what yes. project managers do best, right?
0: You you had put in your bio that you had come over from Iran with a hundred dollars in your pocket. And and I didn't know any of this before I read that um, a week or two ago when I saw it on your bio. We had a guest on Amira. Amira Mahazahari, who was also from Iran. She was on earlier this year and she had talked about growing up. She was born during the revolution and the, the war with Iran, Iraq rather, and how that impacted her life and, and eventually her family had to escape to uh, Australia. And we, after that, we started calling this show the humanity and reality of project management because we're all impacted by life. Right. I mean, we're all project managers and we're business leaders, we're professionals, but we're human first, right? We're people first. So enlighten us, tell us the story of how someone from Iran with a hundred dollars in their pocket makes it to the U S and, and then has the success of 11 books, your own business and so much more after that.
2: Uh, So very kind of you to say, yeah, it's actually the, the story is true. I I came. So my, my parents are now retired college professors in Persian literature and Persian history the old regime had an exchange program so in 72 we went to Kuwait we spent the next 10 years on six different middle eastern countries and I, I used to speak fluent arabic as a as a child then the revolution happened they called them all back my parents had the foresight to realize there just wouldn't be a whole lot of future for me in iran because it was the onset of the iran iraq war so I have a couple uncles in Europe that said, no, thanks, too much responsibility. I have three in the US. Two of them said, no, thanks. One of them said, we'll take them for the summer. So Joe, I landed, and Jen's heard the story. I landed at JFK May 23rd, 1981. So this May will be 40 years with a suitcase, 100 bucks. Didn't know anybody. I literally didn't speak a word of English. And uh, at JFK, uh, I had a badge around my neck that said, put this kid on an Eastern Airline flight to Atlanta, and he literally doesn't speak any English. So, got here, uh, lived with an aunt and uncle that I hadn't seen since birth. My aunt took me to a local elementary school. We got the first through the twelfth grade, uh, you know, first through the, I think eighth or ninth, tenth grade English books, and I had tutors for better part of two years. English, believe it or not some of your audience may recognize is one of the most difficult languages to learn because of all the exceptions. To date, I don't know what a dangling participle is, <laughs> but if it's dangling, is there a reason we can't fix it? Because I, I've got access to Home Depot, right? We can just go buy the material we need, right? Sure. So, uh, But I came here. I finished school here. I got my Eagle Scout here. And I got to tell you, I, I uh, despite the bad rap that immigrants may get, uh, number one, I, I've, I've looked around. That there's not too many Native Native Americans walking around, right? So we're all immigrants in sub-shape form. Number two, this is still the greatest country on the planet. This is still with all of our challenges, with all of our, and I'm not, not going to deny we've got race challenges, we've got income inequality, we've got a lot of challenges, but it's still the country that the rest of the world wants to come visit, the country that they want to come live in, the country where they want to come and get an incredible education, and the American dream of come and abide the law, come and come legally, come pay your taxes, come get an education, come you know stand up on your own to feed and, and really earn a living. It's still alive here, and I'm the poster child of of that of that you know, opportunity. So, grew up here, uh, undergrad, grad school here. Uh, early part of my career was technology, sales, and sales management. The second phase uh, for your audience, I'm actually 95 years old. I look fabulous <laughs> for 95. Second phase of my career was really technology for consulting and private equity. And uh, for the last 19 years, I've had my own practice of advisory, education, coaching, and speaking.
0: And making an impact, right? That's uh, learning from all of our past experiences and how we can make an impact. And speaking of making an impact, you mentioned PM Next. Um, Jennifer, where, where did that come from? Right. I mean, David gave a little bit of the backstory on that, but how do, how did that come to fruition? And it's certainly a collection of a lot of people that were involved and, and tell us more about PM next and what that's all about.
1: Yeah. So that literally came last year in the throes of the pandemic. David is actually does some work. We do some client work together. And so we were talking about some things and all of a sudden things started changing, you know, up on the lockdown and projects started canceling. And I think his clients were, he was advising his clients and then I was coaching mine and we both saw common themes of what people were struggling with. And so we started trying to answer and help people solve problems about what was happening. So we were grateful and, uh, resourceful to have people in our networks like you and so many of the people we pulled together in PM Next. And they all, you know, threw their hands up and said, how can I help? And um so that's how we pulled that together and we started looking at some of the things people are struggling with, some of the competencies that people needed. And that's where we were able to pull people in who had, you know, specific expertise to bring that. And we pulled together learning sprints, our production team jumped in and David and we pulled together just an amazing program. We've had a lot of, a lot of great feedback from it. And I think it was so successful because not only, you know, do the partners we brought in, but our, the, the literal people who were struggling with the problems. So they were able to provide the input into the content and how we, how we designed the program. So I think David may want to add some more to that as well.
2: Yeah. And I got to tell you, kudos to Jennifer and the whole pdus to go Joe production team, because I, I, I felt like, you know, I, I was engaging the content presenters and just getting what's in their heads and their experiences on video. Jennifer and the whole team took over and really produced some 60 hours of just great, great content and reflection and exercises and how to really implement the ideas. And Joe, I got to tell you, one of the challenges that I see in the project management community is um, everybody knows there's, you know, rungs in the ladder and you got to start with rung one and work your way up. And that's great. What I see in the market is more of a lattice where it's not those rungs of the ladder. And you're getting people that have, you know, They've heard of project management, not leading project teams. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're coming from the business side, or they're coming from, you know, running a PL or a different environment, or and they just they don't speak project management. So one of the things Jennifer and I talked about was I thought it was critical to bring insights and real hands-on experience like yours, like Lee Lambert's, like uh, you know, several others that Jennifer kind of knew through this community together, as well as people that I think the audience had never heard of. You may have never heard of Peter Bragman, but the guy's an expert on emotional courage. You may have never heard of Charlie Pepparelli, but the guy's been a startup and, a, and a, an investor for a whole bunch of years. So, bringing different perspectives of leadership and strategy and visual storytelling, and uh, you know, I had to do a few. Uh, had to not not had to, as in like, general, put a gun to my head, but. Yeah. I was excited to do it and contribute yeah. to the series as well, not just gonna kind of host the, you know, others. So I think the combination of great practices both within the community as well as insights from outside of it really made the content fresh and interesting and different than what a lot of project management professionals may have heard in the past.
0: Uh, and it, you know, it's at noon time out here, and I hear Charlie Pepperelli, and it makes me think he's making pizzas, right? What? Well, it's a great pizza name, right? It, it is.
2: You'd be <laughs> delighted to hear it's Italian, so it, it fits.
0: <laughs> now the, you know, you mentioned this started up during COVID, and COVID's been a struggle for a lot of people, and and both professionally and personally, and we always. Uh, what circles, when I get together and talk about friends, you know, one of the questions is, Hey, do you know anybody who's been impacted by this? While there's been tremendous amount of loss, uh, it's still a small percentage in the population. So oftentimes nobody has been impacted by that. Mm -hmm. But Jennifer, I know that's not quite the story with you. And we had talked about this and you're certainly okay. Talking about your story and, and how you've been impacted by this. Do you mind sharing that with the listeners?
1: yeah so um, I guess to back up a little bit, so I'm from out of Atlanta, and so my mom was who was eighty one lived in Alabama, so for many years, um, after my dad passed, I've been trekking four hours <laughs> pretty excessively between Atlanta and Huntsville the near the space in Rocket City to support my mom. And then when COVID happened, I really spent more time in Alabama to be in support of her. So just very protective of everything I did, just making sure, you know, she was taken care of, but we watched, you know, who came in, where I went and complying. I'm a big compliance person. So, so anyway, so we made it through almost the full year. And unfortunately, she was impacted by COVID and passed away February 5th, very suddenly. And um, so, yeah, so I, it just brought, it just really made me realize, you know, just us as leaders, you know, we like, we lead teams, not only my internal team support of PDUs to go and other things I do, but other teams that we support really made me think of like brought, real clear awareness to our team members, people I work with and just just having compassion about what people are going through behind the scenes because I would say the people who are closest with me, David and I work closely together, he knew and but the other people I, you know, support thousands of other people probably really didn't realize what was going on behind the scenes. So I think my lesson of that is just having more compassion With the people on my team, the people I work with, because I may not know exactly what's going on behind the scenes of that. And then, and then now through the passing, you know, through any loss, through any loss, you go through grieving and the loss. So, you know, there's that, that we have to remember and remember what's important. Like, so when we're really driving, like a milestone or a deadline, really stop and think, okay, what, you know, is anybody going to die if we miss that milestone? Like, do I need to, so it's a balancing act for us as leaders to really think about and how to nurture our teams and ourselves.
0: Well, and certainly sorry for your loss and, and how it's impacted you, but bringing awareness to that, I think is helpful for all of us because we, one, we're working remote, right? So we don't get to interact yeah. the same way with our fellow coworkers or leaders as we did in the past. We don't know the struggles of working from home or certainly dealing with the pandemic. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that with everybody. And I think calling for everybody to to be more compassionate, to understand the unknown, to, yeah. to maybe take a moment and ask somebody that you wouldn't have asked otherwise, hey, is everything okay? Is there anything I can help with? Is there anything we need to be able to do differently?
1: If I could add on to that, it's like one of the sessions, Erin Thorpe does a great, um, her focus is on the empathetic leader. So that really brought that to home. So in addition, I say, I have a young team that supports, uh, supports PDUs to go. And one of our members during this production of PM Next, so we're grinding out content producing this program. And she and her husband both get COVID. They have two small children, one of which is special needs. Um, And they're keeping their kids at home. And it just was a very stressful time, not only for her and her small family, but my entire team, you know, is a young team with children and having to deal with are they in school today or are they back home today? Are we having to learn how to teach our children math or, you know, what are we doing today? So it, I think really this past year has helped us think about how we're doing work on multiple levels.
0: Yeah, there's a, a certainly an understanding of the work-life balance maybe has more yeah. meaning and David, you know work life balance work life blending what's you know those are two two themes that you're you talk about in your new book how, how do we differentiate between those two?
2: yeah, so by the way, very quickly, I met Mama Bridges, and uh she was awesome. she was just a cool yeah. lady and and a lot of what Jennifer is about and our kindness and her heart, I think comes from Mama Bridges, so may she rest in peace um Thank you, David so. Uh, Joe, for a long time, I've believed work-life balance is a fallacy, and it's a struggle. Because I don't know about you, I've I've been on vacations and I'm thinking about the the work that's piling up, and I've been at work and I'm thinking I'd really want to go be with the family, right? So yeah. it's just this tug of war that just pulls at all of us, right? And 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 again, I'm sure your listeners don't do this, but we've all been on vacation where we see the guy, you know, poolside with his laptop, right? So uh, I just think. That struggle between what I call our professional obligations and our personal aspirations is a struggle. So, yeah. what I've tried to practice for almost twenty years now, and I'm and you're right, I wrote the entire I think first chapter in in Curvebenders about work life blending, which is how do you find ways to integrate what you feel like you have to do or what you what you want to do professionally with what where you would rather be all right and and how do i and jennifer knows this and i want to give you audience a couple examples i ride motorcycles and and i gotta tell you i could have the worst day i get on a bike i go two miles and it just all melts away right yeah uh, by the way remind me to Remind yeah. me to tell a story of, of Punch It when it, it comes to Jennifer Bridges, right? Joe, that's the story you and your audience are going to want to hear. Right. There's a
1: David uh, version and a Jennifer
2: version. That right. <laughs> so, so I ride motorcycles. So once a year, at least, I try to go on long extended trips. We're talking week to 10 days. So several years ago, I rode the entire Route 66 from Chicago to Santa Monica Pier. It's like 4,000 miles. Pre-pandemic, I rode 10 days in, in Tuscany where I flew to Milan, rented a bike, and we rode around for 10 days. So I love doing that, but you know what? I'm a realist and there's still business I got to take care of and clients and things I got to do. So I take my laptop, put it in the trunk, and I'll check emails at nights and I right? So I integrate what I want to do with some of the things I need to do. So if I, you know, years ago I became very protective of my weekends. So I try not to work on weekends. So By the same token, if I want to leave on a four o'clock on a Monday afternoon to go watch my kid play lacrosse, that's where I'm at. And I'll make up for it on weekends with some of the things I need to do, right? So stop with the friction of work-life trying to create this artificial balance and really figure out how to integrate that really cool, interesting part of you that we don't bring to to work or we didn't before this work-from-home approach, right? love having lunch when I can with the family, love taking the dogs for a walk. I'll, I'll do the work after the kids go to bed. Right. So as long as the work gets done, um, I think, I think this pandemic has taught us, as Jennifer mentioned, what's really important. And we don't, none of us want to leave with regret, right? I wish I could have spent more time with loved ones, or I wish I'd taken more vacations or You know didn't kill myself over that that project deadline you know what it's it's okay it's 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 important uh but don't lose perspective in essence
0: yeah and i think it's obviously it's become a bigger challenge because we're all working from home and i remember early on in the pandemic uh, i was talking to somebody and i said um can you hold on one second i've got to go get my laundry out of the washer and put it in the dryer (laughs) <laughs> it was in the middle of a call, right? And I was like, I was, I was like, what in the world are you doing? Why are you doing it right now? Couldn't you wait? And then I had, and then I recognized, I so listen, everything's different. Nobody knows how to work this way anymore. I think we're, we're much better at it now, right? I think people are figuring that out. And what I figured out is I just, I don't work and I don't have family time. I have time. There's moments during traditional work hours where I'm doing family things and there's things during traditional family time that I'm doing work things. But to me, it's just time now. I I no longer split between the two, right? It's just, how do I utilize it to get what I need to get done in order to make my team and and others successful? Right? I mean, that's I think that's what you're saying, right?
2: Just just to, yeah, absolutely. Just to build on that, Jennifer and I both also have a mentor, a guy named Alan Weiss. And years ago, we went up to his, consulting college and Alan is famous for this and he talks a lot about you know you don't have a personal life exactly what you're saying you don't have a personal life and work life you have one life. So during the summer Alan doesn't work on Fridays he's by his pool you know by two o'clock in the afternoon As he may be you know considerably older than we are, but he, he chooses that and, and by the way, he puts on educational programs for his clients in places where he wants to vacation right that's the ultimate and he talks about real wealth. Is discretionary time because mm-hmm. we can always make more money. We can't get that time back, right? So, yeah, getting getting your priorities and your aspirations and the things you and again, Joe, for me, you, Jennifer, it might be a little easier because we we're all entrepreneurs and and I, in some ways we in some ways we control our own schedule and destinies and how much we want to work. That may not always be the case for those that are employees of organizations. By the same token, you're exactly right. I think and Jennifer and I talked about this. This pandemic has opened the eyes of many managers and leaders of how incredibly productive we can be. Do you really care that I don't spend two hours in a commute, or you know, I wear shorts as long as I'm professional? You know, business above, party below, right? <laughs> if it's shorts underneath, do you really care? Right. And and you know what, or, or do you care about the quality of my work yeah. and that I am productive and I am putting the you know, you know the effort to create outcomes. Don't confuse output with outcomes. I think most organizations benefit from the outcome, which again, comes from this idea of work-life blending that I wrote about in Curve Vendors.
0: You know, one of my favorite TV shows currently, it's, you know, it's a nothing show, but it's it's Ride with Norman Reedus, right? And he travels the world riding a motorcycle and he brings along a celebrity and they just take three, or four, three to five days and we, the viewers, get to see these amazing countrysides where they so, David, I think you need to get uh, your own show, Ride with David Nor, right? And, and, should, and let us know.
2: <laughs> just jo- joking aside, I- I've been—you heard my story. I've been in this country for forty years. Yeah. I honestly think I've seen it for the first time in the last ten, because when you when we travel over it, obviously you don't see it. When we even drive, most of us take the highways. Jennifer's got Atlanta to Huntsville, you know, down to she could do it in her sleep. I twenty, right? Yeah. I twenty, and it's just a highway you go. Th- When you get on a motorcycle, highways are kind of boring. So you always take the back roads and you go through Jamaica, Vermont and you go through Athens, Alabama and you go through Route 66. I got to tell you, I've read about it for so long. You go through it and you see how desolate some of it has become and boarded up. And by the way, that Highway 40 is right there. You can see it. And it's a, it's a, Incredible reminder, and, and I always bring these back to some ways and shape or form the work that we all do. Right, the need for all of us to remain relevant. Yeah. Right. The, the Route sixty six businesses saw the highway going up, but they were they didn't they didn't choose to, they didn't do anything differently. They they right didn't act. So they saw the trend, they didn't move. They didn't act differently. They didn't and hence they became irrelevant. And a lot of them were gone.
0: And I've been to Athens, Alabama, and uh, Gasden Lake right on the drive from Atlanta up to oh. Huntsville is a beautiful lake in the middle of nowhere that if you didn't go off a beaten path, you'd never see it, right? I mean, it's just Yeah, beautiful. but the
2: Jennifer Bridges take you to that square ice cream shop?
1: Exactly. Come back to visit. I'll give you the three-hour tour.
2: <laughs> if you have not been to that square ice cream shop, you don't know what life is about.
1: Yeah, the Cream Delight. So well, Jennifer— A little plug-in for the Cream Delight.
0: Let's get the Jennifer version of the Punch It story.
1: Oh.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so my version of the Punch It Story is so so David makes riding motorcycles look so fun and easy. So he um encouraged me to learn how to ride. So I did. We <laughs> there, there are multiple parts of this story about finding the perfect bike, but I started on a scooter, but anyway, he helped me get the first bike, and we had been, um, we'd been practicing, so he was riding the scooter back to the house, and I was, no, you were riding the other bike. I was riding the scooter, so we're on this main road in Buckhead, and it's quite busy, so we're at the stop sign, and David said, Okay, when you get to this, when you start to go, follow me, but you've got to punch it. So I literally took it, you know, I'm a literalist. So I gave it the full gas. And before I knew it, I was like headed straight for this tree and at like Mach 9, what at 60? About 60 miles an hour. And I honestly thought I was going to kill myself. So anyway, I re- all I could think of is target fixation from the class because I'd been to the class, and all I could think about is, oh my God, I'm fixated on this tree. So I forced myself to look down and threw the scooter, like threw my weight down and went into this ditch. And then I'll let David tell the results. Okay. The story. So,
2: Joel, for your audience, for you, it's, it's, right. mm-hmm. uh, if you know anything about motorcycles, they, they come in different sizes. And we're talking about a CC, like a 49cc scooter, right? This little cute little Vespa. And I'm further down the road. I look in my rear view mirror and Jennifer's not there. This car pulls up next to me and says, hey, your buddy is in a ditch. (laughs) I'm like, wait, what? So I circle back around. I go back. And sure enough, Jennifer Bridges is down this ditch with a little scooter. Like who wrecked? Who ditches a scooter in a ditch? <laughs> and so ever since then, I've learned that Jennifer's very literal. And if you say punch it, she's going to do a wheelie on a scooter.
1: <laughs> just, just don't say punch it if you don't mean punch it.
2: Well, so we, we, uh, we three of us picked the scooter up out of the ditch and the rest. Thankfully, she wasn't hurt, but so, it was to date, she's the only person ever that I've been riding with who has ditched a scooter, literally in a ditch.
1: I'm constantly <laughs> chastised among the motorcycle riders about ditching a Vespa. Most of the stories are about, like, David's at Barber, like, going around this pin turn at 140 miles an hour. And with, that's his, like, wreck. Mine is on a Vespa scooter.
0: Well, for the twenty-five plus million viewers of your whiteboard sessions all over the internet, next time you're taking a course, just when things are struggling on the course and you're trying to grasp that concept, just remember Jennifer Bridges in the ditch on her Vespa, uh, on her motorcycle story.
1: But I had all my gear on though. It was very, you know.
0: Yeah, you're helmet, you weren't hurt, so that's that's what counts.
1: Pads, gloves. Yes.
0: Yeah, I was, I, I ditched a, a moped back in the day when I was a young kid See? out in okay. the, at a baseball tournament, we were staying at host families' homes and we had snuck out a bunch of us on the, we were I think 13 years old, <laughs> snuck out on mopeds and uh, hit some loose gravel, ditched it. My whole side of my body is all tore up and we're, this is during the middle of a baseball tournament. Right. So I have to go out and pitch the next day with, uh, you know, road rash on, on the entire side of my body. So I feel your pain, oh, Jennifer. Yes. I, I've been there. I've ditched one before, too.
1: See there. I'm not the only one. No, Joe's in my club. Absolutely. Broken
2: aside, they can't they can get away from you. And thankfully, as Jennifer mentioned, we're, I'm a big believer. I do this with my kids as well. Uh, all the gear, all the time. So helmet, jacket, even when it's hot in Atlanta, helmet, jacket, gloves, boots. And all that stuff, my kids and I wear airbags now. So there's, Joe, there's literally a a vest you wear that attaches to the bike. And if you get separated, the whole thing becomes an airbag. And uh, mine has gone off four times. And thankfully, knock on wood, I've walked away from all four. So, uh, but it can get away from you. And and I like giving Jennifer grief, but uh, it was a fun, fun story to tell.
0: Well, let's uh, hope there's not a number five, right? Uh, For your sake. And, and good conversation, right? This goes back to we're people, right? We all have experiences that we learn from, and also understanding, David, to your point, right? On these tours uh, around the country and the the Route 66 story, uh, guess what? Somebody built Route 66. Somebody built Highway 40. Somebody built the buildings they're in, and guess who built them? Project managers. So we're building the world, uh, one road, house, project, software system, whatever it may be at a time. That's our contribution to all of that. So everybody be aware of that, right? Uh, And learn from those experiences. The other thing, you know, in your background I can see, David, is uh, Curvebenders back there. Interesting title. You have 11 books that uh, come out. I guess this will be book number 11. What's what's the backstory behind that? What is Curvebenders all about?
2: Sure, so uh, curve benders uh, at their essence are just high level curve benders are your, some of your most strategic, most valuable relationships. Joe, uh, it takes about uh, it takes me about four years to research and interview and kind of get ideas together. At some point, you feel like you've said enough, you've coached enough, you've talked enough about an idea, you have something to say. So yes, you, you're, you're right. This will be book number 11. It's actually coming out later this month. What we did is, I'm 53. Uh, I figured I'll retire when I die. So, in thinking about, and I'm always curious about, you know, what what will the next decade of my work look like? So, for your listeners, and Jennifer and I've had this conversation as well, right? So, what will the future of our work look like? Well, what? But the pandemic showed us is disruptions don't just disrupt the way we work, as she mentioned. If you, uh, God bless people with young families, right? It disrupts the way we work and the way we live, and we're all cooped up the way we play, and in some ways, the way we serve or we give to others. So We embarked on this journey, we've researched 15 forces that, by the way, this pandemic is one of them, that we believe will continue to create headwind, tailwind, or turbulence in our lives. So most of my clients have figured out how to navigate their way around this pandemic. Their concern is the next one. What if it was cyber? Well, God forbid, what if it's a natural disaster, right? So in the face of constant disruption, the only thing you can do, since none of us can predict it, if we could, I'd be on the next flight to Vegas, right? Is to plan for it. So how can you plan? How can you continue to learn and grow? And both of you do a phenomenal job in really engaging project management professionals and really elevating their thinking, elevating their knowledge. So I'm a big believer of micro learnings, whereas as Jennifer mentioned, these ideas of learning sprints, where you quickly learn something, you apply it. And Joe, what that does, is it creates this non-linear growth through which you can reinvent yourself. Now, mm-hmm. I've always believed that my work My life's work last 20 years has been around this idea of relationships. And my premise in this book is that a few of your most valuable relationships accelerate your growth, accelerate that journey. And beyond helping you with a project or an initiative, they profoundly impact who you become as a manager, as a leader, as an executive. And a really good way to think about this is talk to anybody you like, you respect, you trust, and ask them who's shaped the person they've become. And they'll typically name one or two people in their backgrounds. It could be a, an old professor or a great boss who demonstrated a vested interest in their success and really took them under their wings and didn't just teach him about PMP. They taught him how to be a human being and how to, as Jennifer mentioned, Aaron Thorpe's session on how to be more empathetic as a leader, how to demonstrate more courage, how to create a a small gap between how you feel and what you say. So you don't say the wrong things at the wrong time uh, that you're going to regret, right? So all of those attributes are put in these amazing relationships. I call curve benders. Uh,
0: That's fascinating. Um, And and that's why I love hosting this show is because I get a front row seat to my own mentoring session, right? Every time I have a show. Um, I'll be 53 on Monday, so we're, we're pretty close here in age, David, and probably similar experiences. And about two weeks ago, uh, when somebody asked me that question, the answer is always my high school baseball coach was the first person that curved right my trajectory. And about two weeks ago, I, I got his phone number uh, and reached out and sent him a text message, and we had a great weekend worth of texting and catching up uh, over time. And his grandson now is a baseball player for Boston College. And as of last weekend, was leading the nation in total basis, right? He's he's just, he's killing it. And he's a sophomore. So it doesn't matter the timing on this, right? It can be somebody pre your profession. And then, you know, we're here at, at Business Radio X and I tell the story all the time. Karen, who's the station owner, I didn't want to be a radio host. I didn't want to host this. I, was, I had my own professional consulting firm. I'm out there doing work within the industry and um, she just kept pushing me in this direction. And here I am, you know, 30 million plays and downloads later, one of the top 15 PMO influencers in the world that never would have happened if I didn't host the show and talk to people She told the like two of
2: us is because you had a face for radio. I mean, <laughs> well, I that, part's that part's true. That part's true. I don't true. know where that's coming from. I don't want to start anything here. I, I just, that's, that's what we heard. <laughs>
0: The radio part's true, but
2: we're going to go live video
0: on these shows pretty soon. So we'll we'll find out. Maybe the uh, audience feedback will push us back to audio only. We'll see.
2: Or Karen <laughs> is going to find an on-air, on-video host. I didn't know Joe looked like that. He's got a full <laughs> head of hair, and man, he's handsome.
0: We'll use an emoji <laughs> over my face the whole show. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> Jennifer, how about
0: you within this benders world, right? Um, obviously, David's written the book, but you guys work closely together, and you've had a successful career along your journey. Has there been people who've been curve benders for you?
1: Absolutely. I mean, again, back to your point of early on, I think some of my initial curve benders were in, you know, in school. So even in, you know, as early as high school and being in sports in high school, you know, they just all, I think sports has an underlying influence in my life. Working with teams and coaching—you know—now n- I do a lot of coaching, and I think that had an influence on me. My father was a coach. I think he was a curve curvebender for me. Uh, David mentioned my mom, and I believe some of the values and and things I have today came from my parents. But and then for sure along the way in my corporate life there have been curve benders. So I love the idea and I love the, you know, David highlighting it as part of the book so that we can be aware that number one, that people have been influences on us. Um, They have been our curve benders, but also an important part he's bringing to the forefront is how are we being someone else's curve bender? How are we helping someone else along? The way, And I know when I started corporate out of college, the environment was very supportive, very mentorship with me coming out of college with the people who I worked with. And then somewhere down the line in probably a decade or two, that kind of phased away with the whole effort of like, we've got to do, you know, do as much as you can, you know, in every day, you know, everything kind of the human side during a period of time, I think kind of went by the wayside in some of the environments I saw. So I think it's it's bringing more awareness and intentional for us as leaders, like in our leadership roles. How can we be curve benders for the people on our team? How can we be curve benders for the next generation, the new people coming in? So-
0: That's a great perspective. And interesting, we both mentioned back to high school time and coaches and the influence on our life. And, And we're all coaches to a certain extent on this call. But when we're young, coaching drives us, right? It helps shape us. When we become adults, we think, oh, people who are going for coaching is for people who need help. Right. Yeah. Why do we have that negative connotation? Professional coaching should be more common. Don't you think Where just because you turn 25 doesn't mean you understand everything. Right. I, I know I still have mentors to this day that I'm learning from. And, and I think coaching in the professional sense is the biggest opportunity that we can all take advantage of to accelerate our growth, to, to be around a coach.
2: Uh-huh. Just, just a, a data point for you and your audience. You you both brought up coaches in, in your adolescent years. I think the best coaches in those formative years teach us more than just about the sport.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? They, they,
2: they, they leave an indelible imprint on us in terms of life, in terms of how to lose graciously, how to pick ourselves back up, how to not get bullied by the kid on the other team, all those things become lifelong, you know, they mold us in many ways. And Joe, I I, I couldn't agree with your comment more that if you think of athletes, if you think of entertainers, those that are already doing well, hire coaches to really take them to that next level, right? So I want to go get this Oscar winning part. Help me, I'm a comedian, help me take a more dramatic role. Right, mm-hmm. and they go elevate their skills, their knowledge, in some ways, their behaviors. For some reason, in business, as you alluded to it, it's perceived that you get a coach when you're broken or you need something fixing. And and, and I think it is, has as much to do with us as coaches as it does those who hire coaches. I, I don't, I don't, I can't help someone who's broken. I can't. I, they need to go fix themselves. Go respectfully. Go see a professional for that. That's not what I do. I take great managers and make them exceptional leaders, mm-hmm. right? And and that's a that's a mindset. First, I was talking to one earlier today who's very competent, very capable. Is having a meeting with the CEO on the board about his comp plan, and you know, initial early on in our in our conversation, his attitude is, you know, almost like the the chip on the shoulder, right? And you could see it, right? I'm underpaid against everybody else that I know, and and you know, I deserve more. And I'm like, okay, hold on time out. Right. You go in with that attitude and it's going to show. And, and that executive or that board is going to see right through that, that you, you got a chip on your shoulder. Nobody wants to be around people that suck the life out of them. It's just not a whole lot of fun. It's said, like conversely, if you lead with this enormous gratitude, I'm blessed. I, I, there's a lot I have to the rest of the world. And by the way, to our listeners, The rest of the world believes we're incredibly rich, right? If you have two cars, 70% of the world believes you're wealthy, right? So if you live, if you own your home, you're just you're better off than something like 80% of the world, right? So leading with gratitude, leading from a place of of just enormous abundance that we have in our lives allows you to see coaching as a phenomenal opportunity for me to get to that next level, get to reach another level of success, another level of significance and impact in my life. And I think that's something that we as coaches can also help those we choose to coach see As this is a chance to level up. This is a chance for you to raise the bar. And and I talk about it in Curvebenders, the best version of you. One of the questions I ask most leaders is if, in thinking about those who've had a, a profound impact on your life, is there a common thread? And inevitably, every one of them said they saw the best version of me. Mm-hmm. Even when I couldn't see it myself, even when I didn't see it, they nudged me outside of my comfort zone, outside of my you know little safe space to, to put myself out there and be vulnerable and do the things I've never done and go for jobs and and push myself beyond even my own perceived reach. And then when I got there, I couldn't be more grateful for just that. These people coming to my life at this moment in time, that again changed both my direction and ultimately my destination.
0: And I, I think the, um, you know, this is all hits home for me because I'm a person too, right? We have all these pom- moments in our life, and there was a, uh, high school senior when I was just a little kid who, who broke his leg and he'd come around the neighborhood and sit on the front porch and be the quarterback and let the rest of us kids play. And whoever had the best day, he'd reach into his pocket and hand out the 35, 50 cents, whatever change he had in his pocket. He'd give it to the, the little kid who did the best that day. And it, after doing that for a few months, you wanted to be the kid that got, it wasn't about getting the money, right? It was about somebody acknowledging that you were working hard And giving that to you. So as we grew up and got separated, whatever, and internet comes along, you find this guy out in Texas, uh, whose son's playing football and he passes through Wichita, Kansas every weekend to go catch his son's football game. And guess what? I'm living in Wichita, Kansas at the time. So I'm able to reconnect with that guy, you know, probably 40 years later. And the gratitude part is what you mentioned, David, that I'm commenting on here really is I was able to say thank you because... He didn't, he, nobody knew back then that he was impacting my life. But I'll think back to those moments today about this high school senior who was just tossing a football to little kids, but making us feel like we were worth something.
2: And, yeah, and now, that's curb
0: right? That seems like the spirit I, of this book.
2: Absolutely. When you say, you, you know, you had a group of people, you know, kids that you were playing with, was one of them Jesus? Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm just asking, I'm trying to find out, you know, what, what, what kind of time frame are we talking about here?
0: No, no, no! I'm not that old. I'm 53.
1: Remember, remember, remember he said he's same the same as you.
2: Yeah.
1: Wow. No, you're
2: Joe. You're exactly right. Is is and and the fascinating thing we found out in our research was you don't see them as a curvebender in the moment, right? It actually and 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 uh, interestingly enough, we fight them. We we yeah. whether it's, it's as teenagers, those coaches or great bosses, or people that push us, we fight them. There's no way she can be right, right? Or he's crazy. And it's it's actually after the fact that we either have one of those V8 aha moments, or it dawns on us, I I would have to be the dumbest person on the face of this planet not to listen to her. Mm. Because what she's demonstrating is a vested interest in my success. What he's saying, I may not agree with, I may not fully understand today. But I believe that person, and and this can't be told. You can't be told this, right? Right. It's they demonstrated a vested interest in your success, a vested interest in that best version of you. Which which going back full circle, Jennifer brought it up. It's exactly right. When I often say these people profoundly impact you, everybody wants to know, okay, where are they? Who are they? How do I find them? Where do I meet up? Would they hang out in the mall? Where, where can I go find these people, right? Okay. And, and a more profound question is. As Jennifer asked, how do we become curve benders in the lives of others? Right? Who who can project management professionals who are your listeners take under their wings and really teach them not just about the latest PMP method, agile waterfall, God bless you guys, right? That's all great. It's it's important. I don't want to take anything away from that. But how do we teach that next generation of project management professionals? to demonstrate more empathy, to listen louder, to uh, show up with an unparalleled work ethic, to all the things that the coaches drove into us at such a young age, I think we could dramatically benefit from A, updating, B, bringing into into our work environments, into our professional relationships. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's
0: ultimately, that's again, why we do the show, right? Is to bring that and have Ruth Pierce come on and talk about that. Have Carol Osterweil come on, Barbara Troutline and others that we've had on the show who talk about the humanity, right? The fight or flight moment. And as a project manager, which are you going to choose? And and how does your brain react to that? And I'm with you. Uh, I can't wait to read the book. You had mentioned that it's coming out later this month. Are, is it, are we able to get an advance registration or sign up for it? How do we get access to it?
2: Yes, 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 yes. Thank you for asking. In our uh, partnership with uh, pdus to go uh, and the PM as part of the PM Next series, uh, we do have a, a pre-order campaign going on that uh, if you order before April 23rd, and I'll share that with you and, and, uh, and uh, your audience, the link we've created for project management professionals. We're actually are offering a series of uh, these learning sprints around the PMP career accelerants is what we're calling it. So if you want a better job, if you want a different job, if you want to get promoted, if you want to go to a startup, if you want to go to a bigger company, I take the key nuggets from the book such as your personal market value, your seven steps to an S, you know, meeting your curve benders, this idea of personal reinvention through an S curve. And we apply those to what project managers can do. And Jennifer knows, and as your audience can hear from the session, I am very shy, I'm very <laughs> quiet, I'm very much an introvert. We have no fun, zero fun is allowed on any of our sessions. And, uh, and those are all going to be running in May. And the intent is to really help the audience internalize, synthesize, and apply some of these ideas to improve their jobs, their careers, their journey.
0: Well, when I look at the clock, it's amazing to think how quickly that hour just went by. Uh, before we sign off, certainly want to give each of you an opportunity to let the audience know how they can connect with you uh, and anything else that you may have upcoming. So Jennifer, we'll start with you.
1: Yeah. So people can find me best at pdustogo.com. So that is a PDU with an S and a number two, go.com, pdustogo.com. And of course, you can find me on LinkedIn as well.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for joining us. And David, how about you?
2: Best place to find me is Norgroup, N-O-U-R group, N-O-U-R group.com. And I actually would encourage your audience, if you put a slash forum at the end, norgroup.com slash forum, that's our private online community. Jennifer Bridges has done a fabulous job building the PDUs to go PM Next group. It's our biggest group, some fabulous people, great conversations. I would love to have you there to continue this discussion.
0: Yes, and I'm uh, in that forum and enjoy uh, all the conversations out there. So I, as well, strongly encourage everyone to go out and do that. Thank you both for joining me. It's been awesome to connect. That went by super fast. We've only been having one guest uh, for much of this year. So having two people, boy, it went by super fast.
2: Well, I couldn't get a warden otherwise. I, know, I know. I'm just, you like,
1: know, i
0: just take over. <laughs> take over. So I also want to uh, thank our listeners. Of course, if we don't have listeners, we don't have a show. So appreciate them tuning in uh, every other week when we have these. Um, be sure to visit projectmanagementofficehours.com to check out all of the great content, the information that David's talking about, we'll have posted out there. Uh, We have a great schedule of live chats with industry leaders upcoming as well. Uh, Tune in for our next show will be Stuart Easton joining us from the UK. We have David Barrett coming on from Canada, Alana Hill, Danielle Torley, Hamotel Weitz, and Daniel Zitter from Israel, Antonio Nieto Rodriguez from Belgium, Karsten Leigh from Vietnam. Uh, So a long list of distinguished leaders upcoming. And also remember, these shows are recorded and we'll release them as a podcast. So be sure to subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, whatever your platform of choice is. And of course, thanks to our sponsors, the PMO Squad and the PMO Leader. Visit the PMO Squad to learn more about the purpose-driven PMO and all of our project management services. That's it for now. Office Hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours. Thanks for listening to another episode of Project Management Office Hours with PMO Joe. You're not alone in your project management journey. We're here to help you achieve your goals. Subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on your favorite podcast platform to catch all of our episodes and hear industry leaders share their story and secrets to success.